Happy uh, Juneteenth. It's uh, Father's Day Adam. No, Father, Father's Day... Father's Day Adam would be the two days before Father's Day. So we're one day after. What's that? Juneteenth. Father's Day... Post-Father's Day. The day after Father's Day. Boxing Father's, Father's Day, Day. kid. Boxing Father's Day. There you go. Perfect. That's what I was looking for. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I was looking for. Boxing Father's Day. Boxing Day is, of course, the day after Christmas in Canada and maybe uh, England. I, I was in Canada, and I'm still not sure what Boxing Day is. I think it's the day when you take all your boxes back to the store and um, I think exchange them for other boxes. I think that's kind of what it's become, but I don't think that's the origins of it. And I'm too lazy to care enough to look it up. Yeah, let's not... Excuse me. Wow. It's a beautiful spring day today. It's June 19th. Juneteenth. No, June 19th. No, nine is important. You're required to call it Juneteenth. Only if you're a federal employee. Well, federal employees aren't at work today. Are they get the day off? Yeah, yeah, Juneteenth is now a federal holiday. Why didn't we take the day off? Well, I don't know. You should have told me this sooner. But uh, just a p- public service announcement. I know it's going to be uh, too late because this is not live, but uh, you needed to have, you meaning the, the American subject, you needed to have your Juneteenth flag raised by 8 a.m. this morning. That also meant you needed to lower your pride flag. However, <laughs> however, your pride flag must be re-raised by 8 a.m. tomorrow morning that's june 20th any violators will be prosecuted so there is a juneteenth flag yeah i don't know you there under the penal code uh it states that any blm or uh various uh you know blm themed flags are permissible okay can you do, when we put the pride flags back up, if you do four together in the kind of cross, mm-hmm. you know, where you match them up to make the swastika, is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's in honor of Trantifa. Okay. <laughs> Trantifa. I was uh, at a prominent building in Provo yesterday. The New Skin Building. No, I was... Wells uh, Fargo Building. I was... Uh, uh, the Provo Tabernacle that is now at the Provo uh, Temple. I went to the Utah Valley Hospital. And UVRMC. The Utah Valley Hospital in Provo, and they're proudly waving the pride flag. Is that in Orem? Provo. Provo. Mm-hmm. Utah Valley. So it's not Orem Community. It's Utah Valley Regional Medical Center. Yeah. The big one. Yeah, the big one. That is probably the biggest building complex down in Provo besides Brigham Young yeah, it's big. University. There's two, two massive towers. 
Um, and I, I walked in there and I was like, this is like ground zero of the current thing cults. You can always tell where the corruption is by where the big buildings are, by the way, just FYI. And it's usually not, the big buildings don't mark like the gangster style, you know, mafia movie gangster type of, we're talking about the acceptable corruption, the, mm -hmm. the secret combina combinations that have been, um, become popularized in the more settled parts of the land, as it said in the Book of Mormon, they become, become accepted by the, by the people in the more settled parts of the land, right? The more civilized parts of the land. Right. So anyway, they're all colorful down there. Yeah. They had the flag out on the flagpole. Mm -hmm. right there next to the state and the U.S. flag. This is uh, your local, quote-unquote, not-for-profit organization, yeah, Intermountain Inter Healthcare. Now just known as Intermountain. They dropped the healthcare out of their name, which well, I don't think is a coincidence. <laughs> They're either that big or not involved in healthcare. Is that what you're saying? Is it, it, something like that's being implied here i will let the listener run with the implications something being implied on the mind virus show this is the mind virus podcast find us on the web at mindvirus.show some of you actually have found us there and have commented thanks for your comments guys we love the comments and i end up posting resources sources and resources what's the difference between a source and a resource think about that for a minute folks yeah, you don't have to. I find for you the Simpsons clips that we reference and post the little snippets that are on YouTube. Right. The hilarious one about the uh, focus in... Did you see that one with the, the guinea pigs where Marge is shown... You didn't look at the, you didn't look at the website this time, Bobby. I, I Otherwise, did. you I would be super stoked. I, I can't remember if I watched there, that. There's a clip of Marge is, isn't sure she wants to give Bart focus in this this psychotropic drug you know because this this is like 20 this has got to be 20 years ago at least maybe this is probably late 90s or mid to late 90s when they did this episode and of course ADD or ADHD or whatever hyperactive disorder whatever they call that now was was a big thing when we were growing up right and kids had it and they started giving them what Ritalin they yeah, started giving maybe. him these drugs to to calm him down, and and so the Simpsons, of course, did. Simpsons did a little commentary on it. Okay, here Bobby's gonna play it on air. I don't want to put my little boy full of drugs. Yeah, yeah, we get a lot of that. But then they see our results. These are normal guinea pigs running around like idiots. Now I'll give them some focusing. They're all now sitting down at tables in a little miniature classroom, and they have a puppet teacher. That's amazing! And darling, check this out. <laughs> they become your slaves. Yes, but it's not about slavery. It's about helping kids concentrate. This pill reduces class clownism 44%. With 60% less sass mouth. Okay. The only thing more effective is regular exercise. <laughs> <laughs> It's the, I mean, it's worth going to the website just for that clip. That particular clip says so much about our society. Well, I now, mean, it's yeah, like it's yeah. more ex, it's more explanatory than 
six or seven years of public schooling, at least. Right. It's not about slavery. <laughs> and then, and then the last, uh, the last part is drug, uh, drug, drug addled um, Bart is on some sort of a rampage in a tank, which is a reference to some events that occurred. You remember the there's been a, there was a, like a rampaging bulldozer guy, a guy that got a hold of a tank. There's been some interesting guys go nuts, and uh, Bart gets uh, in on that action. And they're of course, so of course, they're commenting commenting on this through the Simpsons. Well, where he, he ends up, he ends up shooting down a satellite. It ends up being the satellite that uh, the Major League Baseball owns, and finds out that. And so this is telling us many, many years ago that the corporations are spying on us, and then they send Mark McGuire. Do you remember the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire home run? Thing? Oh yeah. When was this? This was that was nineteen. That was the season, the summer of nineteen ninety eight, that you had the home run craze. The okay, so this is ninety fueled steroid. Okay, so steroid this is fueled baseball. It was nineteen ninety eight, and this is all the so this is all nineteen ninety eight. The same episode where you had Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa chasing the sixty home run threshold, which had never been. Uh, surpassed since Roger Maris did it in 1961. Right, and now it's been smashed regularly, right? Not as much because the, there was, like Barry Bonds, I think, hit 72 or 75 in a, in a season, and mm-hmm. it was just so over the top. Everybody's, everybody's heads were nine inches. In, or, you know, they, From the steroids is yeah, what you're talking it, about. And like people were getting, uh, they were fouling off pitches that were traveling 7,000 feet. You know, it, was, it got ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Are there still drugs in baseball? Probably. Well, for sure, because st- players are still getting suspended, but it's not quite as blatant. The late 90s were sort of a wild west of performance-enhancing drugs. You had some severe, uh, very highly publicized, if you follow, the world of pro cycling, but some very... Oh, uh, yeah. Lance Armstrong was winning yeah, his yeah. seven in a row. You had the Lance Armstrong era, even before that... Um, I think it was the 1990, 1999. One thing we like to do on the tour. podcast is get nostalgic. Keep going. I'm I enjoying think, this. I think the 1998 Tour de France, there was a team, um, the Festina team. Um, remember, these teams in cycling are all named after their corporate overlords, right? Right. So you have. So, so the Major League Baseball tie in is. Right is appropriate. Uh, and so you had the uh, they you had a whole team protest at the start of the Tour de France. They sat down on the ground. I'm gonna just yeah. Just look to that, get my, anyway, while, while you're looking that up, it's funny because the Simpsons episode is just so in your face. This is what's happening, and and it's definitely happening now. Uh, but but Bart finds out that they're basically being spied on by Major League Baseball because he shoots down the satellite on accident with his tank. And then Mark McGuire shows up on the scene immediately and, and starts talking to Bart and as people are gathering around. And he says, uh, Bart, or no, uh, one, one of the people, uh, is it Larry? I don't know, Mo, somebody from the, from the community realizes that they're spying on everybody because there's a dot matrix printer in the satellite that's printing out all the information. <laughs> it's hilarious. And so they turn it off. It's, it's also saying what it's printing at the same time. So it's, it's just funny. But uh, you got to watch these clips. The Simpsons is just epically 
on point and hilarious at the same time. So they, they turn it off and, and McGuire, they're, they're asking McGuire, are you guys spying on us? And he's like, well, yes. Or Bart asks the question or something. And he's like, yes, we are. Uh, and you know what? I'd like to talk about that if you would. But who wants to watch me hit some dingers? And they're like, I do. Everybody's like, let's watch him hit the dingers. And so then he starts hitting baseballs and everybody's completely mesmerized. And, you know, Major League Baseball comes and blows up their satellite or something. And it's just exactly what's happening is people are just immediately distracted. And this corporatocracy has essentially taken over the government and or taken over society, all, all the, almost not just government. I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. We're the consumers, we're the product, we're the, we're the slaves, we're the, but it's not about slavery. <laughs> we're the drug users. We're the everything. We're, it's, it's all about the human resource and the human herd. So it's just, I, I think, I think the Simpsons, at least when I was watching it, 20 years ago was great commentary. I heard that it kind of got woke from, I yeah, can't remember, I some of our listeners probably. I haven't watched it for years. And, and so just to put a, a bow on all of this, the Festina affair was the 1998 Tour de France. And that uh, there was a car that was found uh, full of EPO and other performance snatching drugs that belonged to the Festina team. And mm. it, was a, it was a big scandal. And the irony is, uh, the next year, 1999, was when Lance Armstrong uh, won his first of seven, and it was supposed to be this big... Because he was clean. Yeah, it was supposed to be this big victory for clean cycling, for health and and wellness. Plus, he was an American who had recovered from cancer, Mm -hmm. and so it was this big comeback story, and it did launch the Tour de France into the uh, American market oh yeah they got a lot of marketing uh mileage out of that and uh, we won't go into the way that professional cycling officials look the other way uh what happened to lance armstrong he got caught up in it they like ultimately forced him well, to uh, admit he was eventually on it. eventually he he admitted to like 10 years later right yeah yeah i think it was he went on Oprah in 2011 or 12 or And cried 15. in front of everybody. But by then the damage, like, it, yeah. And then they he's, took his titles away. Uh, yeah, they did, which is hard to do and, and because. But he'd already received he, all the sponsorship money. Yeah, and I'm sure he's got money scrolled away. He's not exactly a uh, well-liked thing. The cycling world is a small world. You, you can go to amateur events that have, when I say amateur, I mean like the Tour de France is a pro tour event. France? It, it, the Tour de France is a pro tour event. You have to be on one of these professional teams. But in the United States, especially in the mountain bike world, it's a lot less um, regimented. So you could go to a big mountain bike race like... Um, Oh, popular one is the Leadville 100. That's in Leadville, Colorado, 100-mile race. Well, Lance Armstrong's done that, and a lot of other professional cyclists have done that right alongside, you know, a 1,000 amateurs like us. Mm -hmm. And so you can go to these events, and you can 
you can see these people up close and actually race against them, you know, nominally. <laughs> but uh, he, Lance Armstrong is not a well-loved figure. And him. why is that? Because he's a liar and a cheater. See, okay. <laughs> and people knew that. Well, people know it now. But remember, Lance Armstrong, during his peak, he was uh, all over the American media. He had the Livestrong uh, campaign with right. the yellow bracelets. So is he a likable guy before that? He's never been a likable guy, but he put forward, he put forward this persona, and uh, people really bought into it because the American people, especially, they, they like to get behind causes, and cancer's a big cause, right? And, they, and so there was this big drive, and it got a lot of people into cycling. I think it got a lot of people... Um, into health and fitness, and that's great. Um, but it turns out behind the scenes, he was a total a-hole. Um, mistreated his employees, was just brash and arrogant, and all the while he's lying. And so is that why they finally, uh, everybody went after him, is because he just wasn't a nice person? Because people, people have gotten away with this <clears throat> a lot, right? Yes and no. I mean, I think... Uh, during this, <coughs> during this, <coughs> like in Major League Baseball me. in the '90s, it was just accepted, well, and they didn't uh, put an asterisk on any of it. Right? It's all just like, well, those kinda, are the records. A person's personality can have a lot to do with whether or not they're forgiven by the public. So, in cycling, you had Lance Armstrong, and then his teammate was Tyler Hamilton for mm -hmm. a, for a while. Tyler Hamilton is the opposite. It, it seems more um, kind of down to earth. I don't know if he's humble or not, but he's a more down-to-earth, approachable person. He didn't have the success that Lance did, but he won some big races. He won some stages of, you know, the Tour de France, stuff like that. He wrote a tell-all book. But part of all of that was that he apologized and he, he regretted doing what he did. Meaning taking drugs and lying about right. it. Right. And, and he, he shares some background about why he did it. And, you know, he's put in a tough spot. Uh, basically, if you believe Tyler Hamilton, basically these young uh, prospects in 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 uh, the American cycling system were you basically had to do it, or else you weren't going to be good enough to make the uh, you know the upper echelons. So he kind of felt like you know maybe like a, a healthcare worker being forced to take the vaccine. You know he. But, it's just what you had to do. And so I, I actually personally know people who were in that same kind of category of a cyclist and declined it, declined to take those drugs, and their careers kind of topped off at being sort of semi-pro. But uh, anyway, it's kind of like Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was such a, a jack -A that uh, people didn't really want to uh, forgive him because he was so blatant and brazen about it. I think he still to this day denies <laughs> taking steroids. You know, he just lifted weights and ate meat. Mm -hmm. Both good things to do, but aren't going to... Put the steroids in the meat. They're not going to increase the, the size of your head by eight inches in the course of uh, uh, two months. But, but the, the late 90s, early 2000s were crazy times for performance-enhancing drugs and sports. 
Which is not what we're talking about today, but here we go. No, it's, a, it's fun to talk about that because of right. the Simpsons. And it's all context. And well, we're, we're, we're not actually talking about anything. As, as is common <laughs> on the show, we're talking about whatever we're talking about. So you want to go down... Kind of, Bobby, it is kind of what we're talking about. By the way, I am Jordan Bruno. Sitting across from me is Mr... Bobby Flood. Yeah, we are the, um, the writers, the producers, and the performers... <laughs> Of the Mind Virus show. <laughs> There's nobody writing anything. But you want to go down a darker road with the, you know, that clip of, uh, you know, the uh, focus, whatever they call it in that Simpsons clip. And then, you know, Bart's resulting behavior. You want to go down a dark road as you look into the, the drug usage and the uh, prescription drugs. Uh, you're about the psycho- psychotropic yeah. drugs, the psychological or, or yeah, yeah. Mind, uh, mind-altering drugs that we get. A lot of these behavioral kids. drugs, antidepressants and behavioral type drugs, uh, look at how many of these uh, shooters, these school-type shooters, are on these drugs. Like all of them. There's a lot of research, and, and no one really wants to talk about that in the open. But it makes you wonder that... Is there a correlation or even a causation to those drugs and, and well, that, that type of behavior? I think the point is there is a correlation. The question is, is there a causation? Mm-hmm. Because it seems that it's almost in every case something that comes up. Right. And it, uh, it's never really been, to my knowledge, never really been addressed in the public Well, in any meaningful I think way. That's, I think that's uh, you know, off limits, just like vaccine injuries are off limits. In the, when we say the public now, we've got to qualify because we have legacy media and we have the new free media. So right. we have the old false media and then we have everything else, which is definitely, it's not perfect. You, know, there, you get truth and error and whatever. I, I think you know, we've talked about before how history is essentially just evidence of what we think happened accompanied right. by his, by reason and debate. And I think that's what news is also. It's just evidence of what happened. Once it's happened, it becomes history. And, and there are always different stories about what has happened. And so you have the spin doctors, the corporate legacy Hold on. propagandists. Your mic cut out for some reason. Oh, man. Oh, now you're back. I think you jogged your cord there i was just saying that you know we we have uh this uh major league baseball cadre the cartel the the corporate ocracy mm-hmm. the the control cartel i guess you know and that, that's a huge cartel right it's like the fortune 500 companies the big money the people that get the money from the commercial banks or whatever there's this it's a, it's a very large you know if you're going to try to put it on paper, the people that control the media in these companies, it appears to be very large, but it's this incestuous familial uh, relationship. If you've ever seen, you know, I, it would be good if we did some preparation because I think we put up one of those diagrams before where people draw the lines between the different personalities and how many of these organizations they're linked into and where they right. came from and, right. and who they know. I mean, it's several hundred people. But if you think about that, we're talking about controlling a planet of eight, seven or eight billion people. So that's a really small group. It's just that uh, people don't want to, in general, your your average news watching baby boomer or whatever, your, your parents or whatever, they don't want to uh, contemplate, countenance the idea that there is a secret combination, a, a group of people, because... Once it gets past two or three people, it just gets too big for them to say, well, that, you know, that could be pulled off. But 
in reality, that's the type of size of organization it takes to manage a country like the United States or a state like the state of Utah. You've got to have several hundred people in on it. Are they all in on all the craziness, all the devilish uh, decisions or, or uh, motivations? No, not necessarily. Most people have to be bought into an ideology and they put them in those positions. The uh, this war, let's you know, if you want to call it that, between the legacy media and the independent media has boiled down to one uh, kind of uh, defining incident. And I don't know if you've been following this, but Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running for president. Who's Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? <laughs> He's uh, Robert F. If Kennedy's son. If you watch legacy son. media, <laughs> if you watch legacy media, that's the question you're asking. But RFK Jr. has, uh, he's been really outspoken during the pandemic. And let's keep in mind, he's a, he's a kind of classical Democrat. Democrat. And before the pandemic was probably somebody that uh, would have been sort of your typical left liberal. Or considered that. But I guess he was vaccine injured. So he's been uh, on the v- vaccine, uh, what would you call it, crusade well, for a the, while. The, yeah, or, or what the mainstream media calls him is an anti-vaxxer. But he started yeah, children- vaccine information informed consent. That's right. what he the way he would. He started the it. Children's Defense Fund, and um, and he's kind of been on a mission to bring awareness to the uh, side effects and the you know the risks associated with vaccines. And in this case, we're talking about this is pre-COVID, so we're not talking about the COVID vaccine. Although he has a lot to say about that. Yeah, we'll link to this children Children's Health Well, he recently went on the Joe Rogan podcast. And I haven't listened to that uh, that episode yet, but of course uh, the mainstream legacy media is losing their minds and saying it was misinformation, disinformation, lies, lies. You got it wrong. And and uh, one particular uh, person named Peter Hotez, who is a big pharma, uh, Bill Gates Foundation bought off shill. Uh, <laughs> is this the weird looking guy with the mustache a little bow tie uh, he's he's like their new dr fauci i don't know i haven't well, even watched he's, any of this he's, stuff. he's been around a while he's he's frequently on like nbc and whatever cnn and throughout the pandemic he's been saying things like the unvaccinated need to be arrested and you know he's just been a big pusher of all of the narratives right and he's got his credentials he's been the head of something or other and this and that and whatever right uh, he's he's been really up out, out front saying you know RFK Jr. is wrong he's lying he's killing people with his misinformation and so Joe Rogan said hey and keep in mind Peter Hotez has been on the Joe Rogan show in the past really yes uh, a few years ago I don't know if it was COVID related or not I don't remember I don't really care to listen to this person I've heard enough of him throughout the pandemic that I'm not interested in what he has to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That doesn't mean I don't think he should be allowed to go on the Joe Rogan podcast. Okay, I'm not trying to censor him, so just sit back down, people. Mm-hmm. But uh, Joe Rogan said, and I want to find the original tweet, um, which I don't know if I can find. I read a little. But, I read a little bit about this. So, so I, my understanding is that Rogan was trying to get him to debate. Well, yeah, Joe RFK Rogan Jr. Said, uh, and he says, "I'll put down a hundred grand 
And then, and then it escalated. Like the pot is now at like 1.5 million for charity. Uh, it's, if it's if over, he'll debate RFK over, Jr. The the pot is over 2.6 oh, million. It, so overnight it got another uh, and, million and the, dollars. And the money was pledged. What Rogan originally did was said, "Hey, come and debate on my show. Come and debate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on my show. I'll put down a hundred thousand dollars to whatever charity you want." And other people started pitching in. You know, hundred thousand here, you know, whatever, and the 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 donation amount got up to two point six million dollars to the charity of Peter Hotez's choice, which we all know the charity of his choice would be the Wuhan, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, or the Bill and Gates, the Bill and Melinda Gates <laughs> Foundation, or something like that, right? But the interesting thing here is he he just he won't do it. And he even went on MSNBC. Now he's now complaining this says, is a trap. Or This is a quote from Peter Hotez. In science, we don't typically do debates. What we do is we write scientific papers. One doesn't typically debate science. Maybe the one-off discussion of evolution versus creationism and that sort of, and that sort of thing. But that's not... Uh, let's see, cut our, off. Our ideas are not up for but discussion. That's, but that's not what we do in science. No, that's the opposite of what you do in science. Science is debate. Yeah. And maybe he's like, he probably caveated, oh, I mean a debate, uh, you know, with a moderator. Like a political and, debate. But that's all you do in science is you debate ideas and you test those ideas. Yeah. And of course he won't do it because he's a coward. And he's a liar. Well, and he, does, he knows that the information is stacked against him. The, like the the actual facts and this, are stacked and against him. What's interesting to, about all this to me is he, this Hotez fellow, I assume he's a smart person, at least enough to become a, um, you know, well credentialed doctor. Now, uh, it, what this tells me is that if if he were just kind of ignorantly set in his ideas he would go debate because he would sincerely believe he was right the fact that he won't debate tells me he knows he not only knows he's wrong but he knows that he's bought and 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 paid for by the pharmaceutical industry and he can't go out there and put them at risk by having their ideas challenged it reminds me of when uh, gupta Sanjay Gupta went on the Joe Rogan show. Did you watch that episode? No. He was terrible. Gupta was. Rogan is pretty fair to these people. When, and it wasn't, when they come yeah. On. Like Rogan he lets wasn't. Them, he lets them talk and he doesn't like assail them. He doesn't like no, but smash them or anything. That was, that, was right, that was right on the heels of uh, CNN slandering Joe Rogan. Remember they accused him of Remember when Joe Rogan got sick with COVID and he he had a oh yeah they went after him for taking ivermectin, ivermectin and yeah. other things and he talked about that antibodies. on the show and and then CNN was saying he was taking horse medicine and yeah and he got upset and so he kind of called Gupta on that and Gupta deflected it but he was really bad like he 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 wasn't able to explain or defend any of these narratives around COVID and I think I think the memo went out after that it's like. Don't go on Rogan's show. We, we got to go to friendly media only. Mm-hmm. But it's just really interesting that here, here's, a, here's a presidential candidate in RFK Jr. and a supposedly leading vaccine and virus researcher. And uh, 
this Hotez fellow, and he's been a he's been a COVID goblin throughout. Like, like I said last week, I've waded through a lot of garbage to, for the sake of you know our listeners. So you can thank me now or later. Either's fine. <laughs> but I've seen a lot of this guy, and um, here he, he's like, oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stoop to that level, right? I'm not gonna dignify his conspiracy theories with a debate. And it's like, this is a presidential candidate with a pretty, pretty good history of this stuff. It's well, a, I think it's, a, it's two it's two good uh, candidates to have this debate. But really, the bigger issue is this legacy versus independent yeah, and, media, and, and, and that's where the legacy media is definitely playing the emperor's new clothes right now. They they don't want to uh, make any statements or give the impression that there's any legitimacy with the independent media so therefore it's like well yeah he that would just dignify a conspiracy theorist that way we can keep him labeled and keep his ideas labeled as junk and then whoever's watching us won't even look at it they won't they won't even right. consider it that's the that's the strategy and that's been the strategy for a long time what what's interesting is that you know once you get on the other side of the fence you start to look at a lot of really crazy ideas because you know once they've been maligned or or um, discredited by the mainstream press, you think, hey, there might be something there. That's like one of the potential uh, flags to indicate there might be truth there because they've been uh, denigrated by the the mainstream propaganda apparatus. And, right. and that, I think, leads a lot of people to embracing some strange ideas because <laughs> they're... They're just not accepted by the local communist rag, you know? <laughs> and they're not even talked about. Right. Well, this is, it, it, in a way, like, not having the debate has been, has been worse for Dr. Hotez than just going and having the debate. Because now, he, he can't really backtrack now. He's, he's dug his heels in, and he's probably get, gotten his marching orders from the powers that be that control him. Yeah. And so now he, and, and, and they have no love for him. That he's just a useful idiot. And they don't care that he's being dragged around as a, now being called a coward and all this stuff, which is yeah, he what he is. Like, like, I mean, it's a debate. Even if you, even if you quote unquote lose the debate, at least you're there and you've, you're getting your ideas out there. The whole point of these debates, at least uh, you, they used to be, I'm talking presidential debates or just a, a point counterpoint style thing, is is to get your ideas out there. And maybe there's people out there that say, you know what, I, I agree with what this guy's saying. Because in a lot of cases, you're not talking about things that are objectively true or false, but you're just debating ideas and different approaches to things. Now, in this case with the vaccine stuff, I, I would love to hear that conversation between these two because you know that the ideas of safe and effective are going to be challenged, whether it's around masks or the COVID vaccine or social distancing. It would be a, a sort of like culmination of the absurdity of the last three plus years. And maybe, maybe a chance for us to <laughs> have some closure on this. Well, I think that's the problem is who do you go to for the final word? The, the yeah. independent media, you've got uh, in, in the independent side of things, you've got plenty of people 
right. who are out there working their butts off, who've built their own organizations. Yeah, in a lot of cases, they have staff or whatever, but it's usually these personalities and, and they, they don't, for some reason, they don't carry the psychological weight that, say, NBC carries. If somebody hears it on NBC, then there's like a, this yeah. presumed consensus. And that's the crazy thing about the world we're living in. If we zoom back out to 30,000 feet, it's like we're operating based, like our, our society is operating based on a presumed consensus that is sort of the narrative put forth by the major networks, you know, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, et cetera, CNN, whatever you wanted. There's like a, a, an Overton window, if you want to call it that, or a, or a, a presumed reality, a perceived reality that on many, many issues, like this, this is easy. We could hold, we could have a quiz here and uh, we could get all the answers right. Like for example, is Juneteenth a good thing? You know, is that a good holiday to have? Yes. Should you have a pride flag? Yes. You know, should we support Ukraine? Yes. Is global is man-made global warming real? And do we need to give all of our autonomy and money to the Al Gore's of the world to save us from our own sins? Yes. Yes. I mean, those are <laughs> those are real issues that that you know the answers to what the what the what do you, what do you call it? The managerial class right. wants you to think. This, <clears throat> that's what the public schools push, and that's what um, your local government, uh, you, meaning your state government, is involved in. It's it's trickling down to counties and and right. cities, and th- and that's where the battle is sort of being fought. But that we all know what that is because we there's a consensus indoctrination going on, and then in the independent media. These these guys are un they're, they're essentially voices in the wilderness because they're unable to create a foothold or a beachhead in the minds of the masses. They definitely get a lot of traction with individuals, but there's not a consensus um, point of view. Or is there? Is the consensus that it's just corrupt on the other side? I think that we might be reaching a zeitgeist as they call it you know that's sort of a spirit of the age mm-hmm. idea the the idea that no you can't believe anything on the pravda television the tele the right. propaganda television it's funny because pravda in russian means truth is that not correct i don't know we'd have to get D- uh, dimitri, dimitri by the way commented he's back he he was happy that we had a little discussion about music and steve miller band etc <laughs> and uh brought up his favorite plagiarization which was Vanilla Ice's adaptation of David Bowie's Under Pressure. I think he said, and I quote, this is my favorite song, Ice Ice Baby. I like uh, um, Vanilla Ice. I might be quoting certain words out of order, but go ahead. What was his real name, like Vincent Van Winkle or something, Vanilla Ice? But he, I liked his explanation. Someone called him on it at the time, and he Mm -hmm. says, no, no, mine goes, Doom 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 do do doom doom, and under pressure goes doom 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 do do doom doom. You didn't see the uh, look on his face as he changed. Yeah, his I expression. changed my eyebrow. <laughs> we'll have to find that. And yeah, well, Dimitri, my favorite song, <clears throat> Vanilla Ice. But nowadays, ice, ice baby, with the internet being what it is, uh, you can find some pretty. Uh, uh, Pretty awesome mashups of Under Pressure and Ice Ice Baby. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Which stop, collaborate, and listen. I'll see if I can find something, one while something you're... while my DJ somethings. I'm styling the Vanilla Ice. Did Did you ever see uh, Vanilla Ice try to make a comeback as a hard heavy metal? No. Vanilla Ice, Ice Baby. Oh, I think I vaguely remember that. that so he that exists. He, but he was repackaging his own his previously uh, hit. Yeah. Music. Yeah. I the last I heard of Vanilla Ice that it was that he was a successful realtor in uh, Southern California somewhere. Yeah, he might be. Can you imagine? Like, that's a selling point. Like, yeah, I bought my home from Vanilla Ice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the more pure days, though, right? When you had uh, the early rappers, the uh, the Beastie Boys. What is it? Isn't uh, Run DMC? Run DMC is, Run DMC is still they they uh, They're classic. They still hold up. A little uh, Will Smith rap. The Fresh Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if this is what uh, I think it is. You, you, you never quite know on the internet. The Buffalo Stance Girl. Is this the mashup? Catchy tune. Thank you, David Bowie. Yeah, I mean, that, I don't think that's terrible. I mean, it's ice, it's vanilla ice, but uh, the I got into the mashups there for a while. Like, there's some fun stuff out yeah. there. But uh, yeah, do we want to look up the hard heavy metal? If you want, I mean, this is your show. You're you are oh, the now. producer now. <laughs> I, you know, I mainly just do what Bobby asks. I've, you know, he's the brains behind this. I, if anyone asks, yeah, uh, that ex- I've, I've been yeah. doing this podcast under duress for a couple of years, <laughs> and I'm not sure I really agree yeah, with all we, the things I've had go. to say, here all the go. monologues I've gone on that were, uh, you know, given under pressure Come that was pushing down, down on me. <clears throat> I think this is it again. I'm good I'm, at I'm playing time. This, I'm playing this stuff blindly. So uh, okay, that's the uh, what version you think's better? That's the heavy metal version. Who right? did it better, the rapper Vanilla Ice or the heavy metal Vanilla Ice? Now is that Vanilla Ice himself yeah, yeah. making the comeback? It's not somebody paying homage. No, no, that's him. That's Mister Van Winkle or whatever. Let me. We're gonna look this up now. He changed his name to Van Winkle. No, I think that's his real name. Oh, his real name's not Vanilla Ice. Really, that's not his given name. Really. You learn, I learn things every time we do a podcast. It's like M&M. Sometimes important things. 
Eminem, that's not his real name. Really? But it's a homage to his real name. Which is? Marshall Mathers. Oh. M, 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 and M. Oh. These are very um, intricate puzzles to solve, brain puzzles for the world. <laughs> very, very deep symbolism in, in these uh, matters. Robert Matthew Van Winkle. Uh, that's uh, Vanilla Ice. You know, Ice T is not his real name. Next, you're going to tell me 50 Cent is not his real name. The name, um, of, the name of the rapper 50 Cent. No, that is his real name. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ice T's name is Tracy Lauren Morrow. MC Hammer's name is Stanley Kirk Burrell. Stanley Burrell. Hmm. These guys sound like regular Joes. Like their real names. <clears throat> well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think a Mr. T is... I don't think that's his real name. We have a Mr. T listener. Yeah. And we know that that is his real name. Our listener, Mr. TBM. T, is, is That's Mr. his real T. given name. Yeah, yeah, his Christian name. He spells it out. M-I-S-T-E-R-T-E-E. E. E. Three E's. Mr. T. Yeah. B-M. <laughs> Well, it only took us 40 minutes to get, could become completely to get derailed. Silly, to get silly. Well, I don't know. That's, I think it's interesting stuff. I mean, this all, this all started because I was um, basking in how awesome our website is and how I think it's a little underappreciated because I, I put the clips of The Simpsons right there. You don't even have to look for them. Sometimes yeah. I have to search for like five or 10 minutes to find some of these clips. Uh, the the these web pages for our episodes are actually really uh jordan does a a really good job of linking to stuff that we reference to prove that we are right that's really why it's like you know it's like if you're an early christian scholar this is like discovering the nag hammadi codices in egypt in 1945 or 48 or whatever i mean it's a treasure trove of contextual information Mm -hmm. about what's going on in the world in the 2020s yeah the time right before the time if you get my drift right the time leading up to the time i saw some other um noise white noise uh, ironically on the internet about the internet being shut down which we've talked about oh yeah when was this just uh yesterday and today Tell me about this. Well, it was just a tweet. Uh, somebody said, can you imagine the chaos that would happen from an internet outage? I said, I thought to myself, yes, and in fact, I've, we've talked about this. Well, people would lose their minds. Because and, 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 where are they going to get their information? They'd have to talk to their neighbors. Right, right. Or they'd rely on network television, which is all broadcast over the internet. The, the, on demand. Where it would really get bad... It, uh, it depends on what kind of internet outage. Is it just you're, you, can't, you can't get on the internet as we know it? Or would things like your bank be inaccessible? I think, would think what, like, what, would, what would probably happen is things like your local independent media would be off. They would say, well, it's a selective outage. It was all of the East Coast or the West Coast, but somehow you can still get your cable television. Right. Would you still be able to buy things at the grocery store? Because when you swipe that credit card... It's connected to the internet, and that's right. why it's so fast nowadays, right? You, you just 
throw your phone up there, you know, your contactless payments or your tap or you slide it in there. Yeah, that's hitting the grand server in the sky. And it's like approved in, immediately. There's sometimes where I'm like, there's no way that, that I was charged for that. That was that approved it before I even pulled the card out. That's all the internet. That's the internet. Remember the old days with the He's making a motion simulating a... Uh, uh, a device, a metal device that's you. You t- put a triplicate uh, carbon copy paper in, and you put a credit card on it, and you slam it down and slide the credit card. That's across. why they don't do it in, as much anymore. But remember the old credit cards? The n- credit the card number were raised, was, yeah. was embossed or raised, so yeah. it would make an impression. On so you'd those, have the number, on and then things. you'd have to sign the slip, and then they'd have to send it in. To get their money, yeah, yeah. and then they—if you didn't have enough money, man—they'd—they'd they'd charge lots of fees because there was like a manual labor process to unwind all of that. I filled out uh, one of those triplicate forms yesterday. No way. Yeah, I do so where fairly regularly. I'll give you one guess. Where a triplicate <laughs> form? Yeah. You slide put your credit card on it. Do you? Uh, you no. could do a rubbing on that form. Possibly. I didn't have my. I didn't have my uh, credit card. Your card might not have raised numbers. There was a white copy. A okay. canary copy and a pink copy. Canary is yellow for the uninformed, just FYI. The white copy goes to the bank. The pink copy goes to the bank. The yellow copy... You keep. Or maybe the pink copy. I can't remember now. But the, the yellow canary copy stays with the unit records, if that gives you a hint. You, which one do you keep? Aren't you supposed to keep the pink copy? I don't remember now. You don't keep it anymore. Oh, no, I, we keep it. No, you, personally. You didn't keep it? Well, I don't. How are you going to know what the breakdown was? Well, if I, because it's on the pink copy. Oh, okay. But the bank has that. <laughs> Not you? <laughs> I don't remember. I, I, uh, this was... I believe, let me guess. Let me put the envelope to my head. I believe that you are referring to... Uh, financial donations to the local aquarium. Yeah. To the Living Planet Aquarium. So as a uh, clerk, we occasionally do deposits, right? And when you do that, you still fill out those triplicate forms. So this wasn't a personal thing. This was an administrative thing. Yeah. So... So does anybody fill out those forms anymore or do they just do it all online, direct deposit? Uh, 99% of the tithing. Do you, have you signed a non-disclosure? Are you supposed to even talk about this? No, no, no it's not fine. 99% of tithing in our local congregation is done online. Would it be, is it possible? I, I think it's actually plausible. You At some point in the future, if you accept a calling, you might have to sign some sort of a disclaimer, like I won't do this or I will do this. Well, we know that. Like um, I think they might want a, a, certain an Certain employees have done that. Yeah, the employees do. But, but if you accept a calling, I mean, it might get to that point where you have to like <laughs> commit to a certain non-disclosure or behavior. Yeah, the, that's possible. But yeah, most, most of the, we're talking about the LDS tithing donations, and the, those are, like I said, in, in our experience, those have mostly, same with fast offerings, have gone completely, almost completely online. Well, where, the fast where offerings you, get, you purchase from a vending machine, no. <laughs> where you get 
cash uh, you get like kids who want to pay tithing they'll they'll hand the bishop an envelope with a couple bucks in there and then where you also get checks from adults occasionally tithing but then a lot of like oh i'm paying for scout camp here's a check for 50 bucks or whatever so it's not automated enough yet to do away with the financial clerk position no because uh i that position that still does a lot of reimbursements. Oh yeah, so you have to, and the church doesn't give it back electronically. They give you a check. You can set up direct deposit. You can set that up. Oh really? We've moved a long ways. I have an idea that you, maybe you could pass up the line to incentivize uh, use of these electronic systems. Maybe they could do like the credit card companies do and do like a little cash back, um, you know, one percent cash back type of a thing. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You pay online, you get cash back. And you could, uh, this could get people more active and more involved in the programs. Like, let's say that, uh, you know, you're donating a lot, you're active a lot, you get you you get cash back, but you, rather than cash back, you could take it in the form of points. Mm-hmm. Points that apply to certain things like Trek. You could um, cash in your points on Trek. Yeah, or let's say you didn't want to attend sacrament meeting. You could... <laughs> buy your way out of that with points <laughs> I'll, I'll you know the, you say i'll pass it up the line the the line for me goes to one more person your wife uh mrs flood no this is bobby no. flood there it is that's the end of the line folks <laughs> um but yeah the uh i think our local congregation is a little behind because I, I we get audited so twice, you're saying you speak directly to jesus no you should. Well, I think we've talked about that on the podcast, uh, right? But not in but not about not this the financial stuff. sense. You don't report to him directly. But so you're uh, talking about the financial upline. Our our uh, congregation is still in so the dark Judas, ages. Judas is right above you. <laughs> most Sorry, of, this is just going south quick, isn't most it? Most of the reimbursements are still paper requests. And he handled the money, though, right? Am I missing it? That's not something I've really studied uh, I mean, a lot. That's, My understanding that's the is, angle that the chosen is taking. I think that's a that's a generally accepted idea. I'm not saying it's true, but right. it's just I think that's a generally accepted idea that he was at least involved in the money management in some way. Right. I think and, I think one of the first things I want to do when like when I die or we have uh, you know the all of the tapes. Watch it, watching the replay? I'd like to know more context about, around, of course, the apostles, the original apostles around Jesus and Judas and what led him to do what he did. I'd also like more context and background on Laman and Lemuel and well, Nephi and Sam. According to Dante, <clears throat> if you were, were to enter the center of the earth and go through the rings of hell to the center, you know, where Satan resides, encrusted in ice you can find judas there with brutus and cassius being eternally chewed on by one of satan's three faces but i don't think dante you go talk to him i'm not sure dante has the tapes i don't know if he has all the dash cam footage well you you could just go talk to judas well right if you could get him to a word in while he's in eternal agony there right assuming that that's where he is and what's happening i'm just saying that's what dante said right well it's the end of Inferno. I want, I want to, uh, like to play the tapes, and maybe they're digital by now, but in, in, in a front of a massive like IMAX style yeah, have you, have screen. Have we talked about the movie Defending Your Life? 
I think so. You've seen that, right? I think so. It's uh, Meryl Streep. It's an older movie, and, right? And uh, Albert Brooks. Yeah, and they're dead. Yeah. And they have to defend, defend their, their life like, in front of the big screen. Right. And they go into these sessions and they talk about what happened yeah. as the replay is played out. That's not, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch my life. I want to watch like his. Well, if you've got all the tapes. I, if we've got all the tapes, I want to be in a chair in Independence Hall in Philadelphia and listen to the Constitution. Oh, you're going to go through the highlight reel. Yeah, I want to see stuff. The highlight reel of human history. I want to see stuff as it What's, happened and not what, like, you know, we're talking about, you know, the history and the narratives here. Let's, let's find out what really happened. That's a great uh, podcast title if we were actually to talk about that for any substantial length of time. But what would be on the highlight reel? You're saying uh, Independence Hall, uh, the, the framing of the Declaration well, is we're my going, guess. If we're going back through all of history, right? Yeah, what's on the highlight reel? Uh, the Garden of Eden. Okay. I want to go there. Inagata de Vida, baby. <laughs> There's the sneak. Speaking of the Simpsons, there's the episode where uh, the organist is in church and is playing Inagata de Vida, baby, but the, the congregation's all singing, In the Garden of Eden, baby. <laughs> I don't remember this. I got to go look for that. Um, yeah, wouldn't you like to see the Garden of Eden as it was and as as those events played out well all you got to do is go to the temple right but i want to see it right as now. it happened no but the, i thought that was a fairly <clears throat> maybe faithful, it is faithful reproduction maybe it is although the, the the various portrayals have changed quite drastically so yeah well they're changing a lot like by the way uh bobby alerted me to the fact that the new temples will not have cornerstones anymore there, and therefore, no more cornerstone ceremonies. Well, I didn't. The church you alerted me the, to that the fact. The church released that statement. So in they a press alerted release. you to the fact. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Just F FYI on the temples. That that's a an but, unusual tidbit. But okay, highlight reel. You got to see the Garden of Eden, and then the flood. We could find out once and for all if the flood was metaphorical or allegorical or literal. Well, what if the Garden of Eden is also? Well, that yeah, we'll find out. Okay. We'll find out. And then I think... Um, what if it didn't happen? What if like the highlight reel just says it, it's going to have to have some information like, uh, dear viewers, we're sorry, like, you know, the old newsreel style, like, we're sorry to inform you that the Garden of Eden didn't actually happen, <laughs> therefore... Okay, but well then we could pull up the tape of whoever created that narrative and we could find that out. Uh, See, that's, it, there's, there's all the tapes. <laughs> all the tapes. Yeah, and it wouldn't be like it would be instant. It's not like you'd a have to go through a repository in the sky. We wouldn't have to go through any microfiche, you know, like in the library. You wouldn't have to roll it back or anything, right? Remember the scene in uh, Field of Dreams, which, by the way, we have a, a whole episode. Well, actually, it was kind of accidental, but a majority of an episode dedicated to Field. Very of good Dreams. episode, one of my favorites. And remember that scene where they're trying to do some homework on on yeah moonlight graham and they're doing microfiche yeah yeah that's a great movie 1990 i believe kevin costner of course he's, he's still a big star you know, almost he's been a big star for a yeah, long time he's been very successful what's his biggest thing now yellowstone yellowstone although i think he's probably leaving that show i think that show's just about run its course several seasons hasn't it been uh, they're in five right now. 
seemed like it used to be that you'd be a, a big star in the movies and now it's flipped like the reverse is true like if you uh, get into a, a killer television show that's well, that's where the stardom is yeah t- tv was sort of a b-list type thing but with the rise of the internet on demand and on demand they can do movie quality television shows without the restrictions of a movie which a, a movie you, you can't make a 38 hour movie no one would go watch that but yeah. you can make a 38 hour or more television show oh, and then it give it to on people and on and, and on and on and people will watch that people will watch that for 38 hours straight they'll even binge watch it yeah and they'll stay up all day and all night and they won't eat and they won't sleep for and they, 40 days and for 40 <laughs> nights and then and when the series ends they will walk Come outside out of the cave. and ah, so bright out here yeah. <clears throat> so i've heard yeah, it's a possibility. <laughs> okay, so the highlight reel, the flood, the Garden of Eden. Yeah, you know, there's all those big things, but I think there's some uh, smaller things like... Um, Independence uh, Hall, you mentioned. Like um, oh, the, uh, the Boston Tea Party. That would be interesting to watch. I, I was I'm thinking also, you were going to say like a, a Boston, LA, you know, Celtics Lakers game or something. Well, we a bird, have, a bird Jordan shootout. We have. You ta- might go we, back to that. We have tape on that stuff, though. Oh yeah, we do. How about I, I, have gotten sucked I, I wouldn't that. mind seeing being there when Brigham Young and that first uh, vanguard of Mormon pioneers came into the Salt Lake Valley, mostly because I want to see the Salt Lake Valley as it looked like then. Okay, so. This this is definitely a, a conundrum because you know you're go you're you're you're, you're talking about you've got different kinds of events you have like uh, just based on its historical value you want to see what what the valley looked like and kind of get the feel for what happened but there's that kind of thing but then there's the what really did happen right did he of, say this yeah. is the right place yeah or you know the who killed joseph smith thing well carthage would be really interesting carthage oh my gosh if you could be i hope they got multiple camera angles on that one yeah what really happened there same with um uh you know there's things like i you know you mentioned the basketball and i said well we have tape on that but uh there's also a lot of tape on other more modern historical events, but we still don't we still don't know exactly what happened. How about happened. the Vegas shooting? Like behind the scenes at the Vegas or nine eleven? Yeah, if because if you had all the camera angles and the other, or, the other or you could roll the tape back to you know two hours before, or from, two weeks before, or two weeks, and before, you can get anybody's point of view in the White House. Yeah, okay, we're gonna like it's the ultimate in the three D rendering. Yeah, thing. Right. Yeah. We're gonna zoom out. We're gonna we're gonna go over to this guy's point of view. We mentioned that show Vantage Point. Uh, did you ever watch that? Uh, no, I don't think so. Vantage Point is an interesting show about an attempted assassination on the president, and it's shown from like lots of different lots of different points. angles. Yeah, yeah, or vantage points. Yeah, you could call it a vantage point. So I think I think a lot of people think that uh, the Salt Lake Valley in 1847 would have looked a lot like it does now. With trees, but there was, there was mostly sagebrush. I bet wasn't there it? was not a single tree other than you had a few rivers coming out of the mountains, like the Little and Big Cottonwood Canyon. So you have trees around the rivers and on the benches in some places. I'm guessing you had some like cottonwoods, maybe. But 
probably only closer to the mountains or the water flow was deeper. Uh, of course, you had the Jordan River, which feeds from Utah Lake to the Great Salty Lake. But I, I think it would have been really dusty, uh, sagebrush, yellow grass. Have you ever gone out west towards Five Mile Pass? And oh, yeah. So you think it looked like the Rush Valley there? I, I think so. Say, that's just sagebrush and like yellow cheatgrass, a few juniper trees here and there. Well, my guess is that there was a, uh, more wooded, more trees up in the, in the benches. And that's why you see them settle right there in the corner up in Salt Lake right. by uh, yeah. the canyon. Is and there's, there's more water canyon? there because you got water coming out of the canyons. You got City Creek. Yeah. And, and so I think, they, fresh water. I think they came down quite a ways. You know, they came down into the flat quite a ways, but then it's still, you know, because they didn't have that big of a group. I mean, if right. you think about it, how many people are in the Salt Lake Valley now? About a million? Um, Salt Lake Valley is probably million one, and a half. To one to 1.5. And then you've got probably another half a million in Utah Valley. I think two-thirds of the population of, in Utah lives between like Ogden and Spanish Fork. Salt Lake County, 1.186 million as of 2021. Yeah, yeah. Utah has 3 million people living in it, and I think two-thirds live along the Wasatch 3.38 million. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, a lot of stuff Utah like that. Utah County, like, 684,000. Uh, I think it'd be cool to get the tape on uh, some of the mountain man stories or, uh, that we hear or like Lewis and Clark. That would be a good one. I'd go on the entire Lewis you would and follow, Clark. I, I could see Bobby Flood following the Lewis and Clark expedition. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. sit down right there on the, on the keel boat right next to Meriwether Lewis. That's Meriwether Lewis. Yeah. That's a great name. That's a name that we you don't uh, hear Underappreciated anymore. name? Yeah, like maybe... Maybe uh, I'll encourage my children to name one of their children Meriwether. Another guy was John Clark from um, Tom Clancy's series. What's was Clark's first name? John. Really? I believe so. Or is it William? Now I can't remember. We got to look it up. William Clark. William. Okay. Yeah, we don't want to get those wrong. Yeah, those guys. Uh, that was pretty serious, that expedition. How about being with John Coulter when he discovered what he called Coulter's Hell? Okay. Because of all of the steam rising out of the earth, people, do you clue in on what, uh, what I'm referring to here? You're talking about Yellowstone? Yeah, John Coulter was a... He didn't discover it because obviously the local tribes had already been well yeah. aware, but he was one of the first white men, if not the first, with some people he was with. This was after, he, he traveled with Lewis and Clark. Uh -huh. And then after the expedition was over, it was sort of like, all right, thanks for coming, everybody. Um, good luck. <laughs> go, <laughs> go on now, get out of here. Yeah, and, Coulter is famous for the Coulter Run. You want to <clears throat> tell us about that? Uh, I don't, uh, I'm not sure what that's referring to. Well, he had an experience where... Um, is this where he runs, where he escapes from the Blackfeet? I think so. They, he pulled up with, uh, in, in a canoe or something into Indian territory, and uh, the, the Indians kind of forced him out, and his traveling companion... John Potts. ...was shot. Yeah. And uh, for resisting 
th- their um, whatever they were doing, and uh, so Coulter was cooperating, and they they the in, the Indians stripped him naked and gave him a head start, like a uh, yeah. sporting chance, and he had to outrun all the Indians and finally battle the very last guy that uh, yeah was and, able to catch up with him or that he allowed to catch up with him naked, right, and then escaped naked into the wilderness right and uh, they call that the coulter run sometimes the scouts will do a reenact <laughs> uh, like an obstacle course or a right a, a marsh yeah. like a shooting range plus a tomahawk throwing thing you know they'll do a a little of a series of events a little decathlon i think that was in 1809 i've actually done some homework on this recently and john potts his companion stayed in the canoe and basically tried to escape that way Oh. And they they shot him a bunch of times, but he also shot back and took a, took out a few Indians. They ended up pulling him to shore and hacking him to pieces. Oh, okay. Coulter, as you said, escaped. I think Coulter ended up dying a year or two later when they finally just grabbed him and said enough. Really? Because I think found I think Coulter still ended up dying at the hands of the Blackfeet. If I'm remembering, really? maybe I'm misremembering. But Coulter, uh, if any of you guys have gone to um, Teton National Park, you've probably pulled over at Coulter Bay, named after John Coulter. Mm -hmm. There's some really cool parts of Teton National Park that uh, are not uh, well known. I think actually it says... Coulter died of jaundice in May of 1812. Um, It sounds like in St. Louis. Maybe he just kept right on running back to civilization. I think the average lifespan of the mountain man was about 25 minutes. (laughs) There's some crazy mountain man stories out there. uh, Okay, so this was, yeah, the Coulter run was like 1808, 1809, and then his death was um, three years later. So it was fairly uh, quickly after that, but but he had had time to come back and tell the tale. Yeah, and uh, some of these tales, you know, the, The Revenant was made into a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. Is that about Coulter? No, that's about uh, Hugh Glass. Okay. Now, The Revenant is loosely, very loosely, based on a book called The Revenant. Did you like that movie? Uh, I did. It was fun. I, I, the book is a lot more mellow. Mm. The book refers to some Indian wars and stuff, but doesn't depict them. So the movie picks up on that and, of course, depicts that stuff. But it, it's really hard to know like, if any of that's real. Um, of course, Jim Bridger was a teenager. He was one of the companions that left Hugh Glass there. And allegedly, and, and I don't know if this is just a uh, retcon, because we all love Jim Bridger. Uh, he, you know, Jim had reservations about leaving Hugh Glass there, and they also took his, his uh, possibles bag, basically his survival kit, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, there's there's some amazing and fun mountain man stories out there. There's lots of books written. Um, Crow Killer is a Jeremiah Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, they sent assassins after him, mm-hmm. like 19 assassins, and he just, you the, know. The Indians did? Yeah, the crows. Oh, okay. And he just killed them all. 
until they finally said, you've killed all of our warriors. You, you know, we respect you now, but uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, liver eating Johnson, that's another name for Jeremiah Johnson. Of course, Jeremiah Johnson, the Robert Redford film is loosely based on Crow Killer, the book, I believe. Yeah, the Mountain Man thing isn't as popular as it was once. Yeah, there's a lot of great stories. It was a short-lived time frame in American history, basically from 1805-ish to like 1840. Once the railroad started uh, you know, being built and going further and further west, and then you had the westward movement, the peak of the westward movement was like 1840s, 50s, 60s. Where the wagon trains and then the actual trains. Mm-hmm. And post Civil War America, everything changed. It really got modernized. Right. Yeah. When was the Transcontinental Railroad completed? Uh, that would have been what, 18. 18. 18- For some reason, I want to say 1880 something, but I feel like it was earlier than that, but maybe not. 1869, okay. Golden Spike, Promontory Point in Utah, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember going out there as a kid. That was a big, that's a big deal because, yeah, now then the back and forth traffic across the country amps up dramatically. Well, that was basically the end of the, uh, like, pioneer era, the, settle, the settler era. The Oregon Trail era, you've played that video game? Well, I think it was still being settled. It was just that it was a lot easier. That you, d- you didn't have the, as many harrowing stories of, you right. know, and like it, the mountain men. And it brought people out west that maybe weren't prepared for the hardships of living out here. So people would come out thinking they're just, it's going to be just like moving from Nashville to Memphis or something. Did you watch uh, the Yellowstone series? Mm-hmm. Did you watch any of the prequels, uh, like the 1883 one? I haven't seen yeah. Yellowstone, but I did watch the prequels. And it's eight, a, a single season, I think. I watched 1883. That's uh, got the two country singers as the parents. What's their names? Tim Faith, McGraw and Tim Faith McGraw. Hill. I, yeah. I thought they did a I liked 1883. I thought the girl, the, 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 the daughter. The young and free, wild. Yeah, I, I thought that was... A little contrived, wasn't it? It it was, and and spoiler alert, I think that. So they had two love interests for her. Mm-hmm. The first one felt organic, the cowboy. Yeah, the other one was really forced. The second one, the Indian fellow, was bizarre to me. It didn't make any sense. That was retconning the whole thing. That's that's revisionist history because that would just. <clears throat> well, in the real life, it's not the way it would be in real the life. The Indian probably would have just stolen her. Yeah. Um, or the settlers would have just shot the Indian. But I think if it would have been one or the other, it would have been a better story. I can buy her falling in love with an Indian. I can buy that. But it was just like she was literally like falling in love with every guy she met. Well, and then this was your prototypical independent young woman who could do everything and, right. and wasn't... Um, really vulnerable to the the reality of the time right. until she was well and t- yeah but even then even then the whole she thing was, revolved around her yeah yeah I, I i did like that series i i just thought it was great cinema for sure 
1918 is pretty decent. That one's only half. I didn't watch that one. That one's only, uh, there's one season and they leave you hanging. That's got Harrison Ford and Helen Mm. Mirren. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen that. It's more the, uh, you know, it's more modern. It's sort of that time frame where the old horseman is bumping up against the, the, the car and the, yeah. you know the pavement. I'll tell you the one thing I would want to go back and see in history is when Indiana Jones discovers the Lost Ark. That <laughs> that stuff, <laughs> seeing all the camera angles there, that would be one of my favorite scenes in history to uh, to go uh, see the reality of. Listen, what I kind of did this. Okay, not with the Ark, but with the Grail. I've been to Petra. Oh yeah, twice. Did you get through the secret chamber into the back? Or? It's it's. It's not there. They sealed it off. I like even went up there. I, 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 I knew all the codes. The handshakes? The, the sayings. I spelled Jehovah with an I. I knelt. When I, and it's not, they've, they've prevented us from getting in there. I wanted to talk to the knight. Where is it code. blocked off? Is it blocked off after the, before no. the leap from the lion's head or after the right as you go through penitent the, man? Right as you go through the door of the... The Petra facade. So you never get to the penitent man is humble, he kneels before God? No, you don't get there. So none of the three trials. Yeah, they don't want us doing those trials. Mm. Well, it'd be interesting to see how that really worked. Go back, if we're talking about the history highlight reel. Yeah, if we're talking about history highlight reel, and I suppose this would still be possible in the mortal realm, but I would like to talk to the three Nephites. Because they've seen it. They've, they've 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 been around for all of this at least from their lifetime. <laughs> and I, I would like to talk to them. Maybe they've got the tapes in their backpacks. We could re- start reviewing them now. So what, what types of things do you think you would, um, what, what interesting things do you think you would discover if you had the three Nephites right here or if you could see the highlight reel? Like when they tried to bury <laughs> them alive or burn them up or whatever? Just with them? Or yeah, just, just those guys. Based just, on what you know from the Book of Mormon, it, what, are the, what, well, what makes you so interested in the, their story? Have you ever seen the Highlander series, like the movies? Yeah, we're talking about the ones with Sean Connery. Yeah. I think he's in the first one, right? I think so. and I, I can't remember that really well. That fascinated me in the sense that like, a Highlander is immortal unless they're decapitated, right? I'm remembering the lore. Yeah, there is a way to kill him. In the case of the three Nephites, there was no way to kill him. And I think... Um, I think it's uh, it would be interesting to talk to somebody who's seen the world change so drastically over, you know, say uh, two or three or five thousand years. So, in the context of the three Nephites, I mean, we could talk to him about more context. I'd love to know. Okay, so here in the Book of Mormon, we've got this and this and this. Can you fill in the details here? Uh, there's lots of places where you'd want details filled in, like where was the city of Zarahemla in relation to modern geography? <laughs> in relation to the city of Salt Lake City. Because <laughs> that's Please point out Zarahemla. Uh, that's a big point of uh, debate, let's call it, uh, it within the LDS uh, Church. Is where was the Book of Mormon? Was there's you kind of have two reigning theories, right? You have the Mesopotamia or the the Mexico Guatemala. North America, yeah. Theory versus the Heartland theory, which says it was all in the Great Lakes, New York area. Well, and then you've got the Utah guys, right? Zarahemla was near the Parowan Gap. 
Sure. Okay. And and <laughs> I that's think a little, there's a little more thin. I, I have a I have a place I come down in that debate. Maybe that's an, uh, uh, a place for another show. But I, maybe maybe they would look at us and say, you know, the three Nephites would look at you and say, really, that's the question you ask me? Where was Zarahemla? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, the, the singular, singular event that uh, we haven't really talked about was uh, the life of the birth of and life of Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, that, that would be the ultimate tape, right? To sit, uh, to, to watch, be, to, to, to tag to, along. Yeah, to, uh, to, to be there at that time and, and to wit, bear witness to all of that would be amazing. I would like to see what happened at Bannockburn with uh, Robert the Bruce. The Braveheart episode there, the when when the well, let's see there that was uh, maybe I'm getting those mixed up, but there was a, there was a, I think it was the Battle of Bannockburn where the Scots repelled the English, and supposedly the Templars were involved in that. There, there, we could spend and maybe we will get to spend an eternity peeling back all of these things. But well, I don't we know. move on and not worry about yeah. Human that's history. the thing. Maybe they don't. Maybe we'll just be like, yeah. Well, what's done is done. Let's move forward. But I'm hoping that we can look back, just because I think it would be fascinating. But maybe our minds will change, and we don't even care. We won't even remember our mortal lives. <laughs> I hope we will. I think we'll remember. And I hope we get a chance to to look at the tape, so to speak. I think that yeah. would be. I think that would be fascinating. I'd like. I'm. I'm definitely fascinated by some of the Templar stuff. I would want to know. Oh yeah. I would want to know what went on there. Maybe the first question. Maybe the first tape you you could pull up is: Is Dan Brown fiction or fact? (laughs) (laughs) But would would we just watching the events, or would we would we be watching editorialized renditions? I think when we say tapes, I think. I want to watch the tapes. Not, I think we not would. Somebody's editorial. I think we would know everything about everything in that sphere. We would understand the context. We'd why, understand why, why the, the motivation. Why would you all of a sudden just know that stuff without any effort or without any attempt at saying, discovery? I'm not saying there wouldn't be any effort. It wouldn't be like the Matrix where we just they install it, where it's installed in our brain. I just think we'd have the capability as a, you know, a resurrected. Um, sort of enlightened being to understand that, to see it and understand it in a greater, I think. Yeah, you, I mean, you know I have what would no be, idea. What would be interesting would be the Arthurian legend, the origins of the Arthurian legend. Yeah. Uh, Alexander, the, the great, his, you know, seeing what really happened with uh, his, uh, what mm-hmm. motivated him. There, mm-hmm. there, there, there is legend that he... Uh, had a spiritual encounter with God in Western Egypt that mm-hmm. that set him on his course to unify the the known world and prepare the way for the coming of the great sun god. Speaking, that would be interesting to see. Speaking of Alexander, I saw a meme the other day. It said, uh, Alexander Graham Bell inventing the telephone. And then the next panel said, Alexander's brother Taco is also working on some pretty important stuff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Change the world. 
Yeah, there, there's an endless possibility for things to look at in, in such, you know, in, the, in this uh, hypothetical uh, situation. But I think that's sort of the vision that Nephi had. Like, have movies have movies been made about all the great stuff? What's a what's some obscure piece of history that ha- hasn't been fully appreciated? Do you think? Can we think of something like that? Maybe our listeners could fill us in on oh, obscure sure, pieces yeah, of, of history that haven't are. been treated in in obscure, obscure pieces of history that haven't been treated in literature, either fictionally or uh, historically. Yeah, I, I mean, of course there are. I'm trying to think. Yeah, but of what some, are they? I don't know. I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm sure there's little battles here and there that that we've never heard of. Or, I mean, I mean, one of them. Today's Juneteenth, right? You want to talk about obscure things in history? I, I don't mean this in any derogatory way. What Juneteenth commemorates was the the day that people in Galveston, Texas, heard about the Emancipation Proclamation. Right? It's something like that. It's so obscure. It's like every time you think about it, you got to go back and look. What, what is June It's like June 19th, 1865, news arrived that the slaves had been freed. And, and that's cool. That's, that's fine. Like, and how it became this national thing, I don't really know. It, it, it's celebrated on the anniversary of the order by G- Major General Gordon Granger proclaiming freedom for enslaved people in Texas on June 19, 1865, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued, which only freed the slaves in the South, by the way. Sure. So, but why don't, why, why don't we commemorate the day that people in, I don't know, New Mexico were freed or... Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a fairly obscure local thing. It's sort of like... It's reaching. It's reaching July 24th, 1847 doesn't mean anything to somebody in Wisconsin or Florida or Colorado or California, but it's a big deal to people in Utah. Why isn't... Why isn't Pioneer Day a national holiday? No, we're, we're reaching... I think it's an attempt to try to invent a little bit of the patriotism feeling for for certain causes and it's really it really is lackluster it kind of falls flat because sure it's consequential but it's not you know it's not the same thing as the united states having uh, achieved its independence from well now that i'm starting to see juneteenth called freedom day and it's like well we we have that we call it Independence Day, and people say, well, they didn't, uh, all people, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, fine, but we still have a day to commemorate that. Of course, in the context of Juneteenth, it's sort of risen to prominence during this era of... Wokeism. Wokeism. The Great Awakening. And so I think a lot of people are just don't think it's a real genuine or sincere thing, even if it was to the people in Galveston, Texas. Like, they're taking a good event or event that, uh, again, we're told it was a, a good event, a something that actually happened. Who knows, right? And they've, they're now putting it, making it something that I don't think it ever was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... And I think that's a huge part of history, right? They take events or the, the, the accepted version of the events, and then they turn it into something that maybe it never was. Well, yeah, it's a sort of a revisionist thing. Like, 
We talked a little bit about this with Memorial Day, you know, how it started and how it became a big deal. It's not a bad thing to have a Memorial Day for the right. for the fallen uh, warriors. And, and in fact, that is a lot of the, that could be considered the day where we could commemorate that the end of that era in the United States because it was related to the war between the states. It was the, it was this particular issue, right? And so it's like the you know we need that it just seems so contrived that we we need to have a, a memorial for black people, and we need to have a Black History Month. It's like they're they're just pushing it too hard. It's right. not organic, right? It ha- it it doesn't evoke the same well it causes sense of unity and feelings for right. all of us. It, cre- it creates division. It causes this division based on. It's like Skin Pride color. Month. We want you to all get excited about this thing that you're not excited about. Right. By the way, just another reminder. It is Pride Month. You've got to have your, your pride flag's got to be back up on the flagpole by 8 a.m. tomorrow. Violators will be prosecuted. Yeah, I guess I, I would definitely spend a lot of time, you know, doing the history highlight real thing, looking into the, these deep, dark, secret combination discussions. Like, where... Yeah, you want let's go to Jekyll Island. Let's go to Jekyll Island. No, but let's go back to the the inception of like we're gonna make we're gonna make Juneteenth a holiday. Like, right. okay, let's where where was that strategized? Right. And and then you know what we should do this or or did somebody say hey we we're gonna pull some strings here in order to change? If you do a a Google trend, uh, like you can look up on Google like search terms. And you can see the trends. For example, uh, I saw one where somebody did it for Black Lives Matter, and it was a it was nothing, nothing, nothing. Then a big spike in 2016. Then nothing, nothing, nothing. Then a huge spike in 2020. And you can see that for June 19th, pre like 2019, there was nothing because it, it just wasn't on people's radars. Now it's a big deal, and it it's not organic. I don't think right. right? So we can do that for for Juneteenth. In fact, I went to Google Trends and that's what they offered. By default, they said, hey, uh, why don't you put in, they, they put the word Juneteenth in for right, me. Right. And you can see ever since 2004 that there's a little blip in June every year, like a very, 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 very minor blip in June and then uh, 2018, there's a little bit bigger blip. 2019, and then 2020, the year everything changed, mm-hmm. you get a you get a bigger blip. So, right. yeah, Google Trends is an interesting. I wonder if um, having access to all the tapes would be a bad thing in the sense that you could you could tangle yourself into that permanently permanently and maybe there's more important things for us to do in the next realm than to review entangle ourselves in the uh it almost be like like the modern version of like scrolling instagram reels or tiktok <laughs> or you know just surfing hey, the web you've got a whole world to create get out of there <laughs> get get out of the highlight i'm doing booth. research <laughs> get out of the highlight booth <laughs> Well, uh, I think we need to wrap it up for today, but uh, fun conversation. Yeah. Hey, so it would be great to hear what you guys think are the highlights of human history that you would want to know more about 
by watching the tape, by seeing right. what really happened, then you could come back with more evidence of uh, of what really happened. Yeah, I guess I guess seeing the tape, you know, seeing what really happened, it doesn't necessarily uh, prove what happened. It just shows you a vantage point. Well, I think in that realm, we would have the ability to see and understand all of it, but. It, but what would be the point other than what we you go down like you go down and find Judas like you said sitting there encrusted in ice and say ha ha you know told you so well, but, go, you, we go find Peter Hotez and say you were wrong RFK Jr was right well but who's the arbiter of truth isn't that the point <laughs> is that the the dispute may continue to exist for all of eternity uh, it, it may but i don't i don't and, think it and will the, and the de- this devil's side of the story I think I think in the end, God eradicates all of that. Well, the, it's said that in the end, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Christ. But that's a very specific point yeah, yeah. of reality, which but is essentially that it, he's the he's the one with rightful dominion over this world. I, I think in the end, people may not accept the truth, but they will know that they were that they chose poorly. He chose poorly. I looked for that guy, man. They've sealed him off. I hope he's doing all right in there. You have chosen wisely. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that clip and throw it on the website. Okay, well, anyway, we're, we're going to have a little shorter episode today. Not really. Of, I mean, still, we're, oh, 90, it, we're 90 minutes. 90 minutes into this? Never mind. It is a beautiful day outside. I was going to say we're in favor of getting out and uh, enjoying the weather, enjoying the nice day. We'll leave the listeners to ponder. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We are signing off.